Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a born dreamer who started from being a flight attendant and worked her way up into now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and seasoned entrepreneur in multiple successful ventures. This podcast is for the awakened dreamer. Industry icons will share their humble beginnings up to the leaders they are today. Let's all learn and be inspired. Together, we can all prosper. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. It's the podcast for the dreamers, but more importantly, the doers. I'm your host, Melody. For those of you who want to learn more about financial planning essentials, this episode is for you. Joining us here today is Deborah Miller. She is a trusted financial service representative who also specializes in insurance as well as banking. Quick disclaimer here. Opinions shared in this episode are for general information purposes only, and it's not intended for specific product advice or recommendation. With that said, let's begin. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Melody. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you in the show. Well, let's kick it off by uh, giving some advice to simplify how it is uh, for one who wants to start investing. What would be your advice for those who want to to start um, planning and start saving? Well, that's a great question. And especially today when we're in the crisis that we're in, people are concerned. Things are uncertain, right? So let's let's not let the crisis decide if we're going to invest or not, right? I think we first you need to focus on, are you ready to be an investor? That's the first thing we need to focus on. And secondly, how do we do that? Well, first we look at our financial foundation, right? We need to make sure that we have six to eight months of a safety net. And if you don't, then that's what we wanna do. We wanna focus on getting you a six to eight month safety net and then take that safety net and don't touch it. It's your emergency. And then secondly, take that money and you get to start your investing experience. But Still keep giving a little bit to your savings account once you start your investing experience. Don't stop. So step one, make sure that you have that uh, safety net, uh, as you said, which is your reserve. Uh, so yeah, six, like six to eight months. months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Months of, uh, of reserve before you double into to anything, right? That's correct. Yeah. Especially in uh, these uncertain times, if you don't have the six to eight months, you don't want your money going into the market right now. So we need to get you financially stable before we start moving into investing. And then we can have fun. Then we can have fun and start investing once you get there. Right. So with regards to having fun, is there a right mindset uh, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of those that would even consider looking at investing? Yeah. That's, that's a great question. First, I want to start off with um, just some of the, uncom- the common things that people make mistakes when they're about to invest. So let's go over some common things that people make mistakes over, okay? Um, first of all, reacting emotional, reacting emotional in uh, downward markets, okay? We saw this in 2007. We were in a bullish market, and then in 2008, we had a financial crisis, And 
people panicked, right? And they pulled all their money out of the market. They got very, very scared with those uncertain times like we're in right now. So my advice is for an investor, try to stay calm during the storm, right? And ride through the ups and downs of the stages. Don't be emotional. Don't make quick decisions. So brace yourself. Know that it's going to have its ups and downs, right? right. Not to bail yourself out when the going gets tough. So just kind of uh, hold on and know that it somehow corrects itself, right? Yeah. I mean, let's re let's remind ourselves that a downward market has a place for investing as well as an upward market. Right. We have to remember that these are these these are part of the processes of being invested. Right. And uh, with regards to 2020. So you mentioned the 2008 um, in a housing bubble. Now with this uh, with 2020 being a wild card. Right. Mm -hmm. Creating massive havoc um, economically and globally. What do you say uh, to people uh, to kind of pacify them or give them a little bit of reassurance or just blanketly, what do you say for people that are just afraid? Just afraid. Well, I, I say that the first thing I would say in what is a good investor? One of the, the best characteristics is not being knowledgeable, right? Understanding how the market works, right? And the more we know, the better things work out. So really just working with a specialist that can help you through those, you know, your trying times or your concerns and really explain how the market works and how a downward markets process is supposed to happen and also an upward markets process. So if we don't go through these stages, then we'll never, we'll, we'll never see this amazing return on investments. Now, Market history can't repeat itself, right? We have no guarantees, right? We can just educate ourselves on how the market works and what's, what it's done in the past history. Uh, and, and let me jump in on that educating uh, yourself. Um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin uh, that said, investment in knowledge gives you uh, the best return, right? So right. I guess you're absolutely uh, right on uh, on that. You know, Before anything, you got to, invest in, in in knowledge and educating yourself with all the options you know out there so yeah and and also understanding like that's why you can either do self educating right because there's a lot of investors today that they're not that right they're going on they're getting advice from social media from chat rooms right this is how they're doing it but um just knowing the common mistakes is, is one. And then once you know the common mistakes, putting a plan together that's right for you, that's particular to your needs. Mm -hmm. so, so you mentioned common mistakes. Are there um, three top that you have in mind that you know that you've seen with your clients yeah. and, with, uh, and observed with um, investors out there? Are there common pitfalls that you've noticed? Yeah, yeah, there's the one that I just mentioned, right? Don't be emotional and react in downward markets. Got to be calm through the storm. And then another one is market timing. People try to time the market, right? And so when I say timing the market, 
when, when there's a recession, there's so much uncertain times, right? And even the most experienced investors have a hard time stomaching a down equity and bond market, right? And in that, in a volatile market like that, it's really hard to know like when to jump in and when to jump out, right? Right. I mean, it would be ideal. We all want to do market timing. It'd be ideal if we could get out of the market before it crashed and then get back in the market before it plummishes. But that's not the reality of it, right? The disadvantage of trying to time the market is that you have to be in the market constantly. It's constant. And so following the trends, the day-to-day trends is a lot of work for people, for investors, right? So I would recommend really looking at long-term and just staying in through the ups and downs. Don't make it, don't make quick movements in short positions. Mm-hmm. So first is not be emotional, right? Uh, second is not time the market. And third is uh, long-term. I think you said something about invest long-term because yeah, no, professionally, unless you're a day trader, you can't. Right, exactly, um, right. It's a lot of work. And uh, the last one is people invest and they don't have a plan. Like we saw a lot of this herd, it's called herd investing. We saw, we saw it in 2020, a lot of it. Going to social media, hearing the chats, and, oh, talking to their neighbor, talking to their friend. Oh, this investment worked for them. So they assume it's gonna work for themselves, right? And those are just some of the common mistakes. Now I. I think to avoid those or help the people that are insecure, right? There's steps that we can take to make you calm through these storms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So um, the first one is we have to do a fact finder, right? And if you're uh, if you're working with someone, or you at least you do it yourself if you're going to self invest, but you have to do a fact finder. And what the fact finder does is it's going to make us look at our financial objectives, okay? It's gonna tell us our risk tolerance. What can we put up with? What are we gonna be able to sleep with at night? And then it's gonna tell us our time horizon. You know, what do you expect? Do you have five years? Do you have 10 years? Do you have 20 years? And so when I'm working with people, once I get those factors, I'll do a calculator. I'll either do it based on present value or future value, right? And, our, and the time frame, how long we have. And that's gonna give the client the exact, the, the exact like formula of what they have to commit to every month, right? They have to save this month to make this much. So we work it backwards. So, uh, so I think that's uh, dollar cost averaging, right? Which is an investment strategy where people would periodically put a certain amount of uh, money Mm-hmm. It's monthly or quarterly or what have you, uh, so you're not timing the market because you really can't. Uh, no, you can't. You can't. Yeah, has a crystal ball, right? Right, and I think you ha- you just have to have uh, come in with the characteristics of like being a goal setter, right? S- sticking to your goals, right? Getting knowledgeable. Understanding these ups and downs is can be a good thing, not a bad thing, not a panic, right? Um, thinking in terms of risk versus return, right? So gotta, you gotta understand how those work together in the investment world. Uh, viewing your losses as an education, 
right? Instead of, you know, thinking it's the end of the world. No, you just learned something, you know, it's just something we learned from. And we, we rebalance and we reposition our portfolio from wherever we're at. Yeah. Uh, I like what you said about uh, looking at the market and, hit, and having a different perspective when there's the lows. Because, you know, for, for a lot, you know, knowing that it's kind of dipping and right. uh, the value is low is when you kind of put, uh, put more in and you get more shares. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the best part of that's the best part of a downward market. And when you're dollar cost averaging, right, every month, stay committed, right? Uh, three things that I think of is start early, think long term, invest regularly, and make it automatic, just like paying your mortgage or your rent. Right. Um, and then you and mentioned then, about, you know, kind of being emotional. I think with anything, with any, whether it's investing, making business decision, um, even dealing with, uh, with family or any type of relationship, if you allow just the emotion to, uh, to prevail, then usually you're not taking all the, the equation uh, into consideration. I think not just um, learning investing, but knowing what characteristics you have to have, like preparing yourself, teaching yourself these characteristics to help you understand the anxiety that it can be sometimes in the market when it's a downward market. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned about uh, investing early. You, you know, uh, that I think is, is key uh, for a lot of people. As they say, it's better to, uh, to the best time to start is yesterday, right? And the next best is today. So um, it's not timing the market, but the time in the market is what, uh, is what we all, regardless of uh, your uh, proficiency as an investor, it's really, uh, you know, having that, um, that time in the market. So then you can ride the that compound down. interest, right? That compound interest, that time in the market. Exactly. That the compound interest and, um, and then it averages out, uh, you know, in the end, uh, long-term uh, for those who, well, and, and also, like we said, in a downward market, people want to panic like they did in 2008. They panicked. They got out. But they lost a huge amount of opportunity for potential savings, right? Because yeah. they jumped out. In that, when you're in that down market, like you said, you're buying more shares. So when that market comes back, you're going in with maybe triple, right? And that's how our compound interest yeah, so you also touched on that uh, herd mentality, right? Uh -huh. so, and, and a lot of people, when when they and and I think it was Warren Buffett that said, uh, you know, when people are getting greedy, greedy, that's when you get scared, right? right. And and when people are um, are kind of complacent and whatnot, that's kind of when you when you react uh, differently. So when people right. are all out on something, you step back and you pause, you know, what, what really is the story uh, mm -hmm. here, right? And again, it, go, it boils down to uh, not being irrational and uh, emotional when it comes to, um, when it comes to investing. Yeah. And, and if you are anxiety people, I, I found a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they don't um, sit back and commit to like quarterly or six month or annual reviews. 
sit back down, revisit your financial objective, right? And another thing, another common mistake is they don't rebalance. They don't go back and rebalance. Like when you're 20 years old, it's very different when you're 50 years old, right? And I found like a lot of people started their investment, maybe their retirement when they were 20 and they never change. They never change their portfolio. They just keep feeding it and they just let it ride. And they really just don't analyze to make sure, hey, is it working for me right now? You know, is it working the way I want it to work? Right. Very, very good point, Deborah. So uh, it's looking at the risk tolerance of the investor, um, looking at time horizon, you know, someone who is um, 55 years old versus a 25 year old would completely have a different uh, type of uh, portfolio uh, allocation. And then um, doing that portfolio uh, rebalancing. Good point. Yeah. And the closer you get to retirement, right? Maybe the more conservative we get. We're a lot more riskier sometimes in our 20s versus. So you're right on. It's not a cookie cutter uh, type of a thing. It truly depends and it needs to be tailored uh, to each person's uh, situations, circumstances, risk tolerance and, and all that, all that good stuff. So and good at, and attitude. It's all about your attitude. All about, it's all about that. It's all about yes. the attitude, the mindset, right? That's right. That's right. And the stomach, the stomach for, <laughs> for change, right? Right, um, right. And yeah, I, people, people don't like change, right? People don't, we don't like change. Some people don't like change. It, it upsets them, right? And I think more so in invest, investing and investment, change is truly what is constant, right? In life it is, but uh, got to really know that with investing, change is really a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Yes, very much. Part of that acceptability. So let's uh, shift gears uh, and talk about small business owners. We have okay. a lot of uh, audience out there who maybe are starting their own business or have uh, owned their um, their shop, their small business for a while. Unlike uh, most employees uh, that have maybe uh, the safety net or that um group retirement plan that's being sponsored by uh, large corporations or their company, mm -hmm. a lot of small business owners, it's truly up to them to, uh, to do something about saving and planning for their retirement. Are there areas of, um, of financial investment that are usually overlooked by uh, small business owners that uh, perhaps- Definitely. Definitely. So they did, they did a survey and out of the small business owners, 30, about 35% don't have a retirement plan set in place. I thought it would be more. <laughs> I did too. Right. But that's, I mean, I was, I was looking at it. It said 35. It's just one research, right? We have a bunch of different research, but it's just one research. And um, so the, the biggest reason they said they didn't have a retirement plan was because uh, I don't make enough money. My business doesn't make enough profit, right? So, I mean, consider business owners, consider working with a specialist, right? Showing them your balance sheet, right? And maybe they're going to find areas where you're overspending in certain areas that you're not supposed to be. The most common one, which I thought was great, is that the business owner pays himself way too much money, hmm. more money than he needs to live on, right? 
So that that's where a specialist can come in and say, look, well, we can do it this way and that way. And maybe instead of paying yourself this much, why don't we reduce your taxes, right? Why don't we reduce it by starting a retirement plan and not only lowering your tax benefit on your on the business side, but also on your personal side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so having that plan not only helps them, but if they set it up where it's non-discriminatory, where anyone perhaps in uh, you know their key employees, let's say their key employees, can also benefit from what they set up, that they also help you know with the bottom line of retention of having um, you know good retention of uh, key employees, right? That's right. Yeah, and yeah, and it, it attracts new employees, right? And it, it retains your employees. But point, yes, uh-huh. right. But um, so the benefit is uh, having something for themselves, tax benefit for themselves, attraction of uh, of you know, especially it, you know as a business owner, it truly is uh, a challenge uh, to attract good talent. It is so competitive. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so, <laughs> yeah. There. It is one of our one of our hardest things as a business owner, as right? Business to find owner. and key employees. So I think for small business owners, our message or the ads that uh, that we put out there sometimes could get um, drowned with obviously the bigger voice with a bigger um, bigger marketing dollar or bigger advertising uh, dollar to attract the same talent, right? So uh, so having a plan in place um, is not only good for them, but definitely. Uh, for their business, for the bottom line, uh, for the business. Yeah, and I, I, I think that the tax thing, the tax benefit, is overlooked of how, how much they can save. Like if they look at the whole picture and you sit down with a specialist and they show you, like, look, if you do this, we're going to save fifteen percent less. You know, more. You're going to go fifty percent lower on your tax bracket, business and personal. Like you can find the money, but you just have to work through. You have to go through and, and get all the right uh, statements and information you, you share with your specialist. And another thing is, I think everyone just thinks there's one kind of business retirement, like there's one, like 401k, and that's all there is, but there's not, there's so many plans out there that I, that we can cater it to a person's budget. It doesn't have to be overwhelmingly cost costly. It could be very small. Like you said, we can just put key employees in there. Right. A very good point, uh, Deborah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's also one of the reasons why why business owners are a intentionally overlooking it because they're thinking that it takes or it costs uh, a lot uh, to to have this plan in place. But as you said, there are different programs and different plans that could be customized based on. Uh, based on, uh, on needs, budget, and comfort, right? Right, right. And um, just that educating, educating and, and not make, people think it's so financially overwhelming to do it. You know, a lot of them, I'm not gonna be able to afford it, afford it, but you just have to work with someone and work through, like I said, there's it's there, the money's there, or if it's not there, then we work out a plan to get there. 
Right, right. Um, so you being a financial um, service representative, what has been your why? What prompted you to specialize uh, in this uh, in this area? Oh, well, I'm second generation. So I was raised in the business. My mom was a bookkeeper. So my first words were debit and credit. <laughs> Right. Wow. I, th I think I've been conditioned since I, I mean, I, my, and my dad was an estate planner. So my mom was a, the bookkeeper, did all the books and my dad sold all the estates, like estate planning. So I've been raised that way, but really I was just intrigued because I'll just say, a, well, I, a personal is that, um, you know, my dad taught me from a young age, right. Uh, pay yourself before you pay your bills. He taught me from a young, just didn't steal it in me. Okay? And I just started, I remember when I got my first job and I was 18 when I could, when I could open a mutual fund, right? But I also did uh, another policy that paid like around 4%. It was, a, it was a life product, but I just did $50 and $50. I mean, back then I didn't make a lot of money, right? And I just committed to it since I was like 18 and on. And then every year I just did small steps. I'm going to increase it by $10. So instead of doing 50, I moved it to 60 the next year. And then the next year I moved it to 70. And then I just committed to that. And so after, a, after about, what was it? I was 18. When I was 28, I had quite a nice portfolio because of, just how I was taught and the conditions that I made, I, I committed to. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. And I saw that so many people I teach at high schools, I teach in economics at high schools to all these students. So many students don't know how to save and they don't know what to do with their money and how they're going to build some kind of net worth. So I just saw that the, committing to the few and with compound interest and time in how it just paid, it paid off for me. And just the love for educating people that don't really know how to save. It's hard for them to save and, and building a plan for them. So we can see success at the end of the, the road. Right. Uh, so speaking of uh, paying yourself first, I think that's one of the main things that, um, you know, that would be a good nugget uh, for, especially for the younger folks, you know, those that are um, making their first uh, first dollar or their first paycheck before right. they splurge on something. I think that is really, truly a golden nugget. You know, pay yourself first. Don't use the whole dollar that you got to, to spend it, especially for non-essentials, right? So right. first... Uh, pay yourself and also for um, for the for those uh, that are new in the country so the immigrants oh yeah all of, sudden, all of a sudden they're here in the United States and they see that a they could just you know fill out an application and they could get a car a brand new car or they go to uh, Nordstrom or or Macy's or what have you, and it's and it's easy to be given, uh, you know, a credit card to to shop, and before you know it, your debts are here, and uh -huh. you're paying too much. So I so 
uh, agree with you, and that's a very good piece of advice growing up that your parents have uh, have uh, taught you, and mm-hmm. that you acted on. Because it's one thing to you know to tell your kids, and and kids just kind of hearing it on one ear and letting it go uh, the other, but you actually uh, implemented it. Well, and I took, I made, you know, some people saving is a weakness, right? You have to make your weaknesses your strength. It was never one of my weaknesses, but I've seen a lot of people that saving is hard for them, you know, and we have to make our weaknesses our strength, right? And I think it's hard because of uh, discipline. So I think instilling that discipline that, um, you know, Julie, you gotta, you gotta really be yourself first. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be uh, overwhelming. Uh, right, right, right. And I think um, they say if it's just maybe 10% or 20% or whatever percentage that you can commit to and be disciplined yeah. in putting aside will pay so much dividends uh, for you uh, in the long run, right? Yeah, and I think the, the, the if I just think of three financial uh, tips, right? Three financial tips that I like to tell my clients. One, stick to a budget. It's so, we got to stick to a budget. A lot of people don't know, right? Don't sit down and do a budget, but let's stick to a budget so we don't get, like you said, our debts are up here. <laughs> our savings, our, our assets are down here, right? Right. So stick to a budget. And I recommend 20% of your annual salary to go to financial priorities on that side of the sheet, 20%. But I mean, any percent, anyone, if, if you can't do 20%, any amount is better than no amount. I agree. Mm-hmm. And then 30% of your annual sal- salary can go to life spending, you know, whatever, your entertainment, right? right. But for, for people that haven't invested or they think it's overwhelming, really all you have to do is just adjust try adjusting one thing a month, right? Like don't go out to dinner one time a month. That's $60. You can start investing for as little as $60 a month. And that just took one thing that you had, that you gave up for the month. Just one. Right. Right. I agree. And Hey, you know what? How much is it to have a, uh, a cup of Starbucks a day, right? Exactly. Exactly. And people have no problem paying $5 now, $6. I think it's $8 now, isn't it? It's crazy. It's insane. Okay. But people are okay uh, to pay that much in terms of, uh, you know, a cup of of coffee, right? But um, really, all it takes is maybe sacrificing a few days without that and putting it in in some sort of uh, investment, you know, uh, for them, right? Yeah. Yeah, very simple. Very simple, not overwhelming. They just commit to one thing. Commit to one. Exactly, exactly. I like that. Uh, so, Deborah, maybe to wrap, to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, if, um, if there are those that are wanting to do it themselves, so maybe A, uh, is there... Oh, maybe- yeah. That's good. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so maybe A, is there maybe... Um, online calculator or simple formula that a they need to know uh, uh-huh. just so they have an idea on where they are, where they are. 
number one. Uh, and then so whatever resources perhaps are available. Um, yeah, so basically how, how can one DIY their financial uh, planning? Well, I think that's if they're gonna if they're gonna do it themselves, right? I think the biggest thing, like I said, is knowledge. So go do your research. You know, don't just listen to your neighbor or a chat room. Go do your research. Learn, learn how to read a prospectus. Right? Learn how to look at the performance. Learn how to look at the performance of the company for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Right? Go look at the learn what bait is so you can see, oh, how volatile is this? Is this work for my risk tolerance? Right? Yeah. So I think that part and, and knowing how many fees you're paying, how much does it cost annually and how much commission is going out and taking away from that investment. I think that's key, really just learning. I agree, I agree. So uh, uh, learning and looking at options that are available out there, looking at their performance, uh, the, the historical return and the fees. Cause some, yes, uh, performance could be there, but the fees are double than perhaps another uh, type of um, a service provider that could also provide the same performance or have historical performance that are uh, somehow the same, but yet the fees are more reasonable. So looking at the options. Uh, yeah, and, all, and just the overall return of the company too, to know how to read that, to look at if you're doing a particular stock, because a lot of the herd investing is buying one stock. Right. It's not a portfolio, right? It's not, it's not a huge portfolio with a bunch of mutual funds in there. It's, there, it's one particular stock. So they could, they could look really good on paper, but their market price might be terrible. Like just know how to read that, right? And also knowing what your, what your choices are, like what's a small cap? Can they answer what a small cap is? What is the S&P 500, right? What is, um, what kinds of, what does bonds mean? What kind of bond options do we have? Knowing, you know, what's out there and what's available instead of just picking or following. Right? I understand. I, I think that's important. And, and you brought up a good point. Uh, a lot of the terms that are basic, you know, well, maybe basic for, for those that are in the industry. Um, but familiarizing oneself in those uh, terms so that they could uh, understand more and be in an informed position to make that decision uh, for themselves. So may it be just the, just the usual, the usual um, funds that are out there, the small cap, the large cap, the S&P 500, having those um, lingos and knowing- Yeah, and understanding. Is big and it can really help you build a portfolio that works for your for your needs, your risk tolerance. So you're going to be calm through the storm. You're going to be calm. Yeah, I mean that's what I did when I teach at high school. I that's the first thing I go over is what is a small cap? Do you guys even know what looking at a small cap what that means? What's a large cap? Right. And it has nothing to do with what you put on your head, right? <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, truly, one has to embrace knowing those 
that those are essential you know right. uh you know to be in the market you have to know what are the options uh that are out there yeah you have to walk the talk and do the walk <laughs> the walk walk the walk and talk the talk <laughs> but you know what um especially in this crisis information like this even even if it's just a reminder really true right that, uh, you know, you got to pay yourself first. I mean, that's first and foremost, before you drive, dive in and, and get your, uh, your branded, uh, your branded watch or your branded purse, which is, uh, you know, people can have three or four different types of uh, thousands of dollar uh, purses and whatnot, yet nothing on, on their uh, savings, right? So, so first, really um, take care of you. And if it means just a little bit of, of, of a portion of what you take home, uh, I think is, uh, is, is truly key. So, um, so Deborah, all the nuggets that you shared, I'm sure uh, one or two um, of our listeners would, would find it really valuable. Thank you, uh, Deborah, for, for gracing our show and, um, and, and giving your time and your valuable uh, nuggets uh, to our audience. Oh, thank you, Melody. Wishing you continued success. Stay well.